share with you this morning about the assurance of the resurrection. Some assurances that I received through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you right now, contrary to what you may believe, Santa Claus is not what Christmas is all about, and the Easter bunny and the candy chickens are not what Easter is all about. If someone wants to celebrate the springtime and the fact that there's new life and new birth coming forth after a cold winter, that's one thing, but let's not lay those things on Easter because the actual historic significance of Easter is only one thing, and that is that there was a time in history when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was raised from the dead. Historically, geographically, archaeologically, this event has been proven beyond doubt. And I'm so thankful that we don't have to hope so or think so. We know that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. Father, we're asking in the name of Jesus now that this most crucial thing, the hearing of your word, will be, become a reality to us and will not just be hearers of the word, but doers also. And that everything that's said this morning will glorify and exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we ask it. Amen. There was a time when the higher crickets, those that are chirping in the dark, said that uh, you couldn't really justify or prove the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. They're not saying much anymore, but recently a cynic was talking and uh, in his presentation he said the historical evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so profound and so strong it's very difficult for us to deny it. And someone spoke up and said, well, if that's the case, if it's hard to deny, what about it? What's it going to do to you? He said, so what? A resurrection that took place 2,000 years ago has no relevance today for modern man. But oh, how wrong that man is. If Jesus was all that he said he was, it has relevance for us today. Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, talked about how relevant the resurrection of Jesus Christ really is. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, as I read some of the verses beginning with verse 1. <clears throat> concerning the relevance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Moreover, brethren, 1 Corinthians 15, 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. He said, you not only heard it, you received it, and you're standing in it now. By which also ye are saved. What's this? The message that he presented. Through it, they are saved by believing, receiving, and standing in it by which also you stand if there's that conjunction, that conditional conjunction that's always found in the Scriptures. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received. He said, I didn't change the message. I'm simply telling you what I received. First of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that in doubt he was buried, and that he rose again the third day. Paul says, that's not my message. That's the message I received from the Holy Ghost. According to the Scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of time. Let's jump down for time's sake to verse 12. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. 
Yea, and ye are found false witnesses of God, because you have testified that God of God, that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. Paul says it's a critical message because if Jesus weren't raised from the dead and if people don't come back from the dead, he says then our message is vain, that our faith is vain, that we're yet in our sins and we're most, the most miserable people on the face of the earth. Because everything else has no meaning whatsoever if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. I want to tell you that there's three things that uh, give me assurances when I think of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the first one is that because Jesus rose from the dead, there will be a resurrection of the physical body in the days ahead. Christ, when he arose, he arose physically. As he said, there are some say, no, he arose as a spirit, and it's just his spirit that came out. The disciples that were with him saw him. They touched him. He touched them. Uh, they ate with him. They walked with him. They talked with him. And uh, he reasoned with them after he was raised from the dead. And he promised to the believers in Philippians, the third chapter, verses 20 and 21, he said, for our conversation is in heaven. By the way, that word conversation, it is the polytoma in the Greek, and it means our citizenship or our true life. Talking to believers now, he said, if you have any life at all, your true life is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. He says, because he rose from the dead, you can have the assurance that one of these days he's coming back, and this body that we now live in, and many of us have, uh, many of our loved ones have uh, had their bodies placed in the grave. He said, don't worry about that, because when he comes back, our vile body will be transformed and made like his. We'll have a new body. We'll be able to eat food like he could eat food. We'll be able to move around at will. We'll be able to pass through solid material. Remember, he was in the room. The disciples were locked in the room. And he didn't open the door. He didn't open the window. He just suddenly appeared. And he suddenly disappeared. Now, I'm just saying that for those of you who are afraid that you need to get a rapture roof in your car. You know, one of those windows in the car. In case the Lord comes, you'll have a way to get out. No, you'll pass right through. Don't worry about that. See, we're going to have a brand new body. And 1 John 3, 2 says uh, that we, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall be just like he is. So whatever we see in the scripture took place in the body of Christ, we can understand, based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that our body will also be raised and be just like his. Secondly, the second assurance is I am assured of the deity of Jesus Christ, that he is God incarnate because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Matthew, the 28th chapter, Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 6, the last chapter of the book of Matthew, beginning with verse 1, and I am hurrying along. I'll let you catch up with me here. Matthew 1, or 28, verse 1 through 6. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. 
His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. They went down under the power is what it's actually trying to tell you here. They went down under the power. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. I want you to notice what the angels said there. He didn't say, come and see the place where Jesus lay. He didn't say, come and see the place where Christ the Messiah, as he is related to the nation of Israel, or the prophet, or the priest, or the king. He says, come and see where the Lord, and that word in the Greek is kurios. It means master. It means owner. And I want to tell you something. If you have Jesus Christ in your life, the only way he'll be there is if he is declared master and Lord of your life. You can either say amen or oh me. It doesn't make any difference. It's up to you. Paul said of him, Paul said of Jesus Christ in Romans, the first chapter in verses 3 and 4, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. He was made according to the flesh by the seed, through the seed of David and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ was not some helpless victim as he hung on the cross. The Word of God tells me he was in control all the way through. The Scripture says he said in the midst of all of his, of his torment, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus said, no man will take my life. I will lay it down willingly. He said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he willingly gave up his life for us. He was not nailed there as one who could not escape. The scriptures, or the songwriter said he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the earth and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and for me. You see, all that Jesus Christ claimed was all dependent upon the fact that he rose from the dead again. He says, I am the resurrection and the life, Martha. He that believeth in me, though he be dead, yet shall he live. He says, I am the door into the sheepfold. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I and the Father are one. Before Abraham ever was, I am. He says, I am eternal. Had he not raised from the dead, all of that would have been absolutely meaningless. But it vindicated every word that Jesus spoke when he rose from the dead. He always existed. And the Jews knew what he meant when he said it. In fact, when he stated that before Abraham was, I am, he was saying, I am God. And the Jews got so upset with him, they started picking up stones to stone him to death. Jesus Christ is deity. Because of the resurrection, the fact that he vindicated everything that he said, we can say with Peter, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. I'm so thankful today, I'm not telling you to believe in some great teacher in the past. I'm talking about receiving as your Lord and Master the resurrected living Christ who wants to come and live in your life and control and rule in your heart. The third thing, third assurance that I get from the resurrection is the assurance of the forgiveness of my sins. Romans, the fourth chapter. Romans chapter 4. Would you turn with me, if you will? Romans chapter 4. Verses 24 and 25, Paul the Apostle is speaking here concerning imputed righteousness, righteousness which is given to us. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, speaking of righteousness, now he says, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord, that curios again, 
from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. You see, the resurrection is proof that the transaction was completed, that it was finished. Jesus, when he was on the cross, he said, Father, it is finished. He didn't, mean, he didn't say, I am finished. He said, the work that you called me to do is finished. Redemption has been completed. The sins have been paid for in full. Never again will they have to be paid for. Now, I want you to know something. He willed eternal life to those who would believe in him. How many of you know that a will does not come into effect until someone does what? They have to die. Jesus died. How many of you know today you can write all the wills you want to, but the moment you die, there can be a thousand people out there that will contest that will no matter how strong you think you've made it. But I want to tell you something. The testator came back to establish and see to it that his will was fulfilled exactly as he said it would be. He rose again and said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the first and the last. I've taken the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and I'll see to it that those that believe in me shall have eternal life. Their sins will be washed away. He's the mediator of the new covenant, the word of God says, so I can have the assurance that my sins are forgiven. Now, the word says, first of all, that we must believe. Now, that word believe is a very simple word, but it has a great depth to it in the New Testament. Believe that we might have our sins forgiven and be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, be careful now how the King James says it. Let me tell you how it's more, more accurate to the, script, to the Greek that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus Christ as your master or Lord. Oh, that's different, isn't it? It isn't just believe. That if thou shalt believe, confess with thy mouth Jesus Christ as your Lord and master and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, I know that the illiterate uh, people who refuse the scripture. I didn't say that. Jesus said, he said, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Actually, the Hebrew word uh, means the insane person because God has already put a witness in every man's heart that he is who he is. Every man by his own conscience, God has placed within him the awareness that there is a God and when a man denies that, the word of God says that he's insane because he's denying what he knows to be a reality inside. But if he comes to the place where he knows he's sinned against God and doesn't want to repent, he's got to do, deal with God or he's got to deny God and so he turns his back on God and walks away. The word of God says it this way, that they, they uh, love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil, neither cometh to the light lest their deeds be reproved that they're not of God. Well, the scriptures, I mean, the critics in the past have said, well, we know that we can't believe in, in the gospel of Jesus Christ because the, the, the very gospels in the New Testament were written way, way too late. There's just a bunch of traditions. Latest historic and archaeological findings show us that proof beyond any question that the Bible, New Testament books of the Bible were written in the first century and early in the first century, and all of them are, are authentic. Some say, well, the disciples were just hallucinating. I mean, they just had a dream. They had this wild imagination that Jesus rose from the dead. I want to tell you something. They had to be convinced because they were the doubters. You remember the women went to the tomb, and they had all the spices. They were going to put the spices over his face and put the final uh, handkerchief over the cloth over his face for the final part of the Jewish burial. They had no idea that he was going to be raised from the dead, and they were shocked when they got there and found he's not here. He's risen. Peter and John, when they came, women came back and told them about it. They said, we don't believe this. So they ran to the tomb themselves to check it out and make sure. And on the road to Emmaus, as they walked for eight miles, Jesus was talking with these disciples. And they were talking to him, and he was teaching them. 
They said, we thought he was the one. We had hoped that he was the one, but they crucified him. Now he's dead. Now it's too late. They weren't hallucinating. There's too many evidences. In the 40 days following the death and burial of Jesus Christ, two men walked the eight miles with him. Women saw him and touched him. His 11 disciples saw him. They fed him, and he fed them. And Peter was restored by him. 500 people all at once saw him. They weren't hallucinating. Then some said, no, Jesus didn't really die on the cross. Isn't it amazing what men can try to perceive? No, he didn't really die. He just swooned on the cross. He took a drug, and then when he got on the cross, he passed out, and then later on he came to life. How ridiculous. First of all, when you're hanging on a cross and your hands are nailed up like this, they have to put their feet on a little platform in order to raise themselves to even be able to breathe. If a man does not raise himself, he'll suffocate it very quickly on the uh, on a, a Roman cross. And Jesus died on the cross and hung there for a long time, and for someone who was just in a swoon, he still would have had to have oxygen. And then let me ask you, how many people do you know can have a Roman spear thrust in your side and have all the blood and water flow out, and then later be taken down and be walking around and walking and talking to all the disciples in three days? And if you want to try that? You see, men have to find some way that they can deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you another thing, too. Pilate made sure he was dead because he didn't want to have any more trouble with the Jews. Some people said, well, his body was just stolen. First of all, the enemies required that the best, very best guards be placed at that tomb so that, not, that, that no one could take his body away. And they said, you be sure and guard it closely because they said he, he said he's going to rise again and we don't want anyone stealing that body. The second thing is that the grave clothes in the tomb were still intact. Now, some of you that don't understand, when the Jews were buried, they wrapped them in cloth, wrapped them around and around like a mummy, and all they left exposed was the face, and, and they put spices in that material. And so he was wrapped like a mummy, and it was still lying there, hollow and empty, and he, there was no way he could have slipped out of just that hole where the face was. He came out of there supernaturally out of it. You remember when Lazarus was raised? I imagine when he came out, he went, went over to the door of the tomb jumping like this, and Jesus said, loose him and let him go. They didn't have to loose Jesus. He came out of the grave clothes. And I'll tell you another reason why I know that his body wasn't stolen. The disciples would not have died for a lie. Someone said, oh, the wild animals just came and dragged his body away. Well, there weren't any pieces left over. Secondly, there was a three-ton stone over the uh, entrance of the grave. Taken a pretty good animal to have gotten that opened up. And then again, as I say, if an animal had gotten to it, it wouldn't have crawled down through the face and eaten it all the way on the inside and then tried to crawl, crawl back out of the same hole. For those that have given all these ridiculous arguments, and some say, well, I know what happened. They went back and they got in the wrong tomb. Well, I imagine if Joseph of Arimathea owned the tomb, he pretty well knew which one it was, Secondly, I'll tell you another thing. If the Jewish rabbis could have found any reason at all to deny what the disciples were saying, they would have put a, a fluorescent banner up above that tomb and said they got the wrong tomb. They'd have given anything to have denied that message that was going forth. In fact, they paid the guards to lie about it. They knew he was raised from the dead. And you and I, whoever we are, whether you like it or not, we must believe 
that Jesus Christ is now risen from the dead. Now, it gives believers comfort. I don't know about you, but knowing that Jesus Christ is alive thrills me. I know I'm going to see him again one of these days. I'm going to have these old eyes that are failing now. They'll not fail in that day. They'll be like new, and I can see him perfectly in that day. You say, how is God going to do that? I don't know. There's a lot of things I don't know. But I, I read one time where they had a golden chalice that was that fell off accidentally off of a table into a, a vat full of acid, and it was totally dissolved. And that the artisan took that vat of, of acid and poured it out and somehow screened out that gold and put it back together again, molded it, uh, melted it down again, and made it into a cup just as beautiful as it was before. Now, if man can do that with elements, what can God do when he's the creator of all the universe? I'm not going to be worried about the mechanics of it. I'm just going to tell you that according to the Word of God, it's so... And because the Word of God says that Jesus Christ is the, the, the Son of God, and let every man be a liar, but let God be true, He says in that day we'll be resurrected and have a new body, and that's all I need to know. You say, well, all of us are going to see Him again. Yeah, that's what the Word says. And in 1 John, the 5th chapter, let me read to you from 1 John, the 5th chapter. Beginning with verse 5. John says, Who is he that believeth, uh, that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and by blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood, and it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three witnesses that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one, and these are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit, water, and the blood, these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself, and he that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believed not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Acts 24, 15 goes on to tell me there shall be a resurrection both of the, now get this, I know it gives comfort to the believers, but it says there shall be a resurrection both of the just and of the unjust. May I just share with you this morning, every person sitting in this congregation this morning is an eternal being. You are an eternal spirit. The moment you were created, you will live for eternity somewhere. You and I will choose where we will spend eternity. I get great comfort to know that because I have trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, that my sins are washed away and that if ever I die before he comes, my body will be restored and I will be like him for I shall see him like he is. That's great comfort. But I want to tell you, everyone who has ever breathed on this earth, when they die, they've only died physically and someday will be raised from the dead and by their choice here on earth, they will choose where they'll live in eternity. There shall be a resurrection both of the just and of the unjust. Let me just take one moment to read to you concerning the resurrection of the unjust. I didn't write it. God, by the Holy Spirit, inspired John the Beloved on the Isle of Patmos to write this in Revelation, the 20th chapter, verses 11 through 15. 
This may not give comfort to you unless you have trusted Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you something. As long as you breathe another breath, you've got time to repent of your sins and invite Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, to become your Lord and your Savior. Have the Holy Spirit come and give witness to you that your sins have been forgiven. Revelation chapter 20, beginning with verse 11. This is at the end of the tribulation period, which will soon, uh, uh, the, yes, tribulation period, which is coming soon. I believe, I believe the Lord's coming back soon. And there's going to be a seven-year period of tribulation here on the earth, I believe. And it says here, verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works." And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Now may I just tell you, in case you're trying to encourage yourself this morning, you don't know the Lord, you say, well, you know, I've done, tried to be a good person. Uh, it's not talking about here scales of the good being on one side and the bad being on the other side. You see, the minute you and I ever, one time in our life, disobey the commandments of God, if we've ever lied, ever cheated, ever stolen, ever had dirty thoughts, whatever it might be, we come under a new classification, and that classification is sinner. It's like a chain. You don't have to break every link in the chain for the chain to break. How many do you have to break? One link, and that chain is a broken chain. The Word of God says, the soul that sinneth, singular, sinneth, it shall die. The minute we sin, we have to pay for our sins or have someone else pay for it. What it's talking about here is the degree of judgment of by our works. What we've done in this life, how much shall we be judged? How much did we know of the truth? How much did we reject the light? How much di uh, uh, disobedience did we uh, experience in this life? Accordingly, we will be judged. That's what it's talking about here, according to our works. You see, I'm so glad that Jesus Christ says, not by works of righteousness which I have done, but according to His mercy, that which I don't deserve, getting something I don't deserve, His mercy, He saved me. It says, They were judged every man according to the work, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I want to assure you that I believe that that's true. There was a time in my life when that brought terror to my heart to think that if I were to die, you say, yeah, but I'm not going to die very soon. Who said? Yeah, but I'm, going to, I'm just a young, it doesn't make any difference. I've had funerals for people of every age. For some reason, people, uh, death does not regard age in any way, shape, or form. Whatever happens, it can happen instantly. And I'm so glad that God in His mercy allowed me to hear the gospel one more time so that I could come and receive Jesus Christ and have my sins washed away. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life. The resurrected Christ said, I am come that you might have life and have it abundantly. For I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth into me, though he be dead, yet shall he live. Will you believe in the resurrection before it's too late? Aren't you glad this morning if you're a believer here that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You have committed your life to Him and you're not being saved by your good works. You're being saved by what He's accomplished for you on the cross. And now you try to serve Him and please Him every day of your life. I'm so glad to tell you that I have the assurance of the resurrection of the body. 
I have the assurance that Jesus is the Christ. I have the assurance that I am going to see him one day soon again and know that my sins are washed away completely. I have the forgiveness of sins. Do you have that assurance this morning? Would you bow your heads for a moment in prayer? I know we're past the 12 o'clock hour. But may I just take a moment this morning and ask you, have you ever trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Has there ever been a time when you have repented of your sins and asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and become your Lord and Master where He takes over your life? He says He's come that you might have abundant life. Do you have abundant life this morning? How many this morning by the upraised hand with no one looking around can say, Pastor Webb, I've repented of my sins and I have, I have eternal life dwelling in me right now. Christ is my Lord and Savior and I know it. Would you just slip up your hand? No question in my mind that I'm redeemed. Amen. Now, you know, if you couldn't do that, I didn't tell you you couldn't do that. The Holy Spirit did. The Holy Spirit witnessed to you that you've never been born again of His Spirit. And He wants to come into your life and change you. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open to me, I will come into him and sup with him and him with me. If you're here this morning and have never trusted Christ, may I ask you by the upraised hand, say, Pastor, I want to invite Jesus Christ into my life. I know now that he rose from the dead to vindicate the fact that he is the Son of God and he died for my sins. This morning, I want to ask Jesus Christ to become my Lord and Savior. Pray for me. Anyone? Just slip up your hand. Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? Yes. I want to trust Christ this morning as my Lord and Savior. I want Him to be in control of my life from this day forward. Anyone else? Spirit of God speaking to you. You know if you were to die this morning, you wouldn't go to be with the Lord. You can know that in your heart. Him that cometh unto me, Jesus, as I will in no wise cast out. Anyone? Anyone else? By the upraised hand, say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Father, you've seen every hand. You know every heart that's here this morning. I thank you this morning that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. I'm so thankful this morning that he died for our sins. And because of his mercy and goodness, we can receive as a free gift eternal life. And I pray that there will be none this morning who will turn away from this truth because they love darkness rather than light. I pray, Father, they'll come to the light of the world, even Jesus Christ, and let him cleanse their hearts from their sin. Let him become their Lord and Master, totally committed to the Word of God. We commit this time to you, and I pray that every heart that's here this morning will be open before you and say, Lord, speak to my heart. Show me if there be any wicked way in me. Show me if I, if I cannot have the assurance of salvation. I desire to have that this morning. Minister to every heart, Father, and speak in a very special way to these that have raised their hands and said, I want to confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, that they'll not be ashamed of you. You said if we're ashamed, we're ashamed of you, you'll be ashamed of us. In Jesus' name, minister to these hearts, I pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please, and turn to number 252. We're going to take a moment sing number 252. If God has spoken to your heart this morning and you have a spiritual need, I want you to come and let us pray with you. You just step out. Don't wait for anyone else. If the Spirit of God has spoken to you this morning and you know there's a decision you need to make, I want to ask you to step out 
Just ask the person next to you, excuse you, and you come. Meet me here at the front. We want to pray with you. Number 252.